So welcome everyone. I'm really glad to be back with these talks after taking a bit of a break for the last few months. Um, yeah, so today we have Srini with us to talk about her birth experience. Um, I have been a little bit hesitant about um, talking about birth in the context other than what I feel like should be the norm. Um, you know, I, I guess I focus a lot of these talks on positive birth experiences and, and on, you know, physiological birth. And a big part of the reason for that is because I believe that that should be what we should all be experiencing. However, the deeper I go into my studies and the deeper I go into learning more about birth, I've also come to the realization that it is not always realistic. Um, and even from having a, um, a, no, sorry, a, a birth with interventions or with medical assistance, that you can still have a very positive experience. I think a lot of that has to do with, um, you know, the preparation that is involved um, and how much a woman feels supported in that experience. And I feel like Trini is a very good example to talk about that. Um, yeah, and so while I had been really hesitant about kind of diving into to birth beyond what idealistically, I guess, what I believe it should be. Um, I think it's also really important to talk about things such as inductions, for example, um, because, you know, worldwide, I think one of the latest statistics is that worldwide one in four women for their first birth will be induced. In Australia, that number is higher. Um, according to 2019 statistics, it's one in three women are induced. And I think after, since the pandemic actually, that number is probably closer to one in two. Um, and so these are things that we need to kind of, I think, have more open conversations about because it is a very, um, you know, it, it's, it's such a big part of, of of birth to, to kind of even have conversations about it, but not a lot of people know a lot about it. What it's like to go through that experience, what are some of the consideration factors and things like that. Um, and so I hope that by, by kind of talking to Srini about this today, um, we can kind of understand birth from that perspective, um, but also kind of talk about her journey in, in terms of, um, you know, how did she get to this point today of being so at peace with her birth experience, even though it didn't quite go as she had initially planned. All right, so without further ado, I guess let's get started. Let's get started. Um, Trini, do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about, um, yeah, about you and... Yeah, yeah. thank you. Uh, hello everybody, I'm Srini and um, yeah, I, my work that I do is all around connecting to your body and learning how to experience life through your body and not just in the mind. So 
Um, I think as I talk about my birth story, it really fits with kind of uh, the work that I do. And um, I'm also a doula. I am a meditation teacher, a breathwork facilitator, hypnotherapist, list goes on. Um, but I feel really, really passionate about working with women and just giving women the tools that they need to feel empowered, whatever that means to them. Right. Right. Um, okay, so let's get started with the, I guess let's get started with the conception part. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, we were at, I think, Jan's anniversary party, right? Yeah. yeah okay, so yeah. And we were basically, it was like the first night that I, I went out after having my daughter. I think it was like, I was probably like six months postpartum mm-hmm. or something. And we bumped into each other. And it was like, and you had just had this realization that you wanted to become a mom. Yeah. Can you talk us a little bit through that? Yeah, that period of time was um, a crazy one. So this was... Oh man, feels like a lifetime ago. Feels like a lifetime ago, I'm sure, yeah. So this was when I had just started um, floating the idea in my mind of I wanted to become a mother. And it was kind of like this back and forth of I'm ready to have a baby. No, 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 I'm definitely not ready to have a baby. Do I even want a baby? Is it society telling me this? Um, Just a lot of noise in my mind and a lot of conversations with friends of, do you think I should have a baby? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, what does that mean? Especially uh, having that conversation with you. And I think what had kind of sparked this was that you, along with a couple of other close friends, um, were pregnant and it had first it was the first time that I'd opened my mind to even like wow what if I got pregnant Uh, you know I that's always been like the thing that I don't want and suddenly it's like oh maybe I do want that so it was a big shift but a very confusing time for me right right um so during this time I was just having a lot of conversations with my partner with myself and just really digging into like, is this a desire that is really true for me? And what is behind it? You know, where is it coming from? And what is the deeper why of why I would want to be a, become a mother? What do you think it was for you? So, um, yeah, I think for my partner and I, it was, actually something that on one of our first dates that we we talked about babies and kids and um, not really our kids but just uh, what it means to bring a child into the world and for me it always I wanted it to be something that was really intentional and not just doing it because it's what society expects us to do as women um, but really considering why and For me, I would say the root of it was 
my relationship with DJ, my partner, um, and the love that we had, and just expanding that love, mm. you know, so, um, and, you know, if we have such a solid partnership and support and we're on the same page, yeah, we can say the world doesn't need more humans, but it's not going to hurt the world to have more loved, supported, right. um, happy, uh, well-adjusted humans. Right. And what the implication of that can be for right. society and so on. Yeah. Right. So once you kind of... How did you arrive at the point of, okay, I, I, I am ready for this? Mm. Yeah, so... It was a, a long journey, like I said. Um, a lot of conversations with uh, DJ and I, back and forth of, okay, yeah, let's do it. And then then all the fears coming in of, right. but I want to travel the world and I want right. to do van life and van I'm an life. independent woman. And like, I, you know, I'm freedom is one of my most important values. Right. So how this, you know, there's a lot flashing there but um, ultimately I think it was because I kept coming back to that question of yeah but there's a part of me that wants it and really having honest conversations with myself of if it were a no then why do you keep coming back to it right you know what do you Um, what yeah. do you think was the reason why you kind of rejected that idea kind of so strongly before you got to that point? Of uh, becoming of, a mother? Of becoming a mother. Yeah, I think, um, I would say I'm, I'm quite a, a feminist in some ways. And, um, you know, I, I always wanted to live life on my terms and not just do things because that was what was expected of me. So... I think that was a part of it. And also the fear of responsibility, mm-hmm. of uh, my freedom being taken away, of how it would change the me that I know myself to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that was a big part, was just the, just not knowing, like, if I'm a mom, who am I? Right. Know? Right. Yeah. Right. And I guess I ask that because I've been reflecting on that a little bit. And I think like motherhood is so largely invisible to us. The experience of motherhood is so largely invisible to us until we get there. Right. Until we arrive at the point where we're like, oh, maybe it's kind of a good idea or maybe the clock is ticking. I don't know, whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's like, like, like society kind of like, especially kind of growing up in the West, it's like you can be anything in the world but don't you dare put down that you want to be a stay-at-home mom. Mm. Like, if you went to school and you put that down on your piece of paper, it's like, no, but you can be so much more. Yeah. Right? And that's kind of like the expectation. And, and, and for me, I think I definitely resisted be, being a mom for the longest time because the idea of becoming a mother was that I had to give up everything else. Yeah. Yeah. And where, as that's, like, now that I'm here, I'm like, okay, well, actually, that's not true at all. Yeah. But that was my, my fear going in was that, you know, that that was, the identity was going to be gone mm-hmm. and it was, and it does change a lot, yeah. but not necessarily in that way. Um, 
Yeah. So when you, when you did arrive at that point, um, what was the process of getting pregnant like for you? Hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it was fun. <laughs> um, yeah, but so the way that I approached uh, becoming pregnant and conceiving is very different than actually any of my friends that I've known or just, uh, I don't know um, anyone who's done it this way, but I, so once we decided, okay, we're 100% yes, then I took the next six months to get all parts of my life in alignment with that yes Mm -hmm. so not just my mind not just us as a couple but i did things to take care of my body i went to acupuncture i went and saw my holistic doctor i saw a physiotherapist um, and then i went to see a uh, a psychologist i had never done that before Um, and I went to all sorts of different uh, holistic therapists to really get my mind, my body, my spirit, my partnership uh, in alignment with that. So it's a yes from all sides. Mm. Because that was really important for me because I think what happens is that uh, as young women, especially if we are on birth control right. or something, for all those years, we're telling our body, I don't want to get pregnant. I don't want to get pregnant. Mm. I don't want to get pregnant. Mm. Um, and then one day we decide, okay, I want to get pregnant. But it's just a switch in the mind. And I think there has to be a conversation with your body mm. of letting the body know, hey, it's okay now, you know, right. Um, right. getting that on board. And just for me, it was seeing where are there still parts in my life where maybe I'm resisting mm-hmm. getting pregnant mm-hmm. um, because it's always so much deeper than just the things that we see. Right. So for me, it was experiences from my childhood with my, with my own parents and maybe some, some wounds that I had from that, that, I didn't want to repeat that and maybe that was making me afraid of what if I become that Mm -hmm. kind of parent so that also was kind of a subconscious like a little bit resistance you know right right. Um, or uh, yeah just all different things um, of maybe something deeper in our relationship with my with my partner Mm -hmm. um, you know that there's a deeper conversation that needs to be had and just how is it going to change our dynamic as a couple? Mm-hmm. How is it going to shift our identity? How is it going to change how we uh, value time? All of these things. So I just wanted to piece by piece get everything aligned with this yes. Because there were a lot of pieces that um, were all over the place. Mm, definitely. Um, and I think like actually like that's so rare for people to prepare like that. Because they think so much of the focus is on the physical aspect of it, right? Like, oh, I'm ready to have a baby, so then let's have sex. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that before that process of 
you know, going to see all these people and getting all these parts aligned for you, that you had a deep understanding of your body and how it worked in relationship to getting pregnant? Or do you feel like that process of going to see all these people kind of changed that for you? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So... I had just known how to not get pregnant for all those right, years. Right, so right, right. Um, for me, actually, it wasn't really about uh, learning about physiologically how anything about birth or pregnancy or conceiving, but it was more just like creating the conditions in my life that if it was going to happen, I wanted to make it the most welcoming environment so actually what I learned during those you know different sessions I went to with different therapists and stuff were things that were much deeper of you know um, there was a part of me that was still afraid to really express myself Um, there were things from my childhood that I was still kind of holding on to um, you know parts of me that were still disconnected And another piece actually from the question that you asked about um, how I got pregnant was that uh, something I intuitively started doing when I decided, okay, uh, you know, I'm ready, is that each night when I would go to sleep, I would be in my bed and I would just start to have a conversation with my body of, I would literally say every night, okay, body and I would just touch here my womb and I would just say okay body it's safe to hold a baby to welcome a baby into this body Um, I'm healthy and I am open to this life if it wants to come and after that I would have a conversation with my baby who is not even here yet but I would um, she remembers Each night, you know, speak to her and just say, like, hey, baby, um, you know, my body is open and ready to receive you if you want to come. There's no rush, um, no force, anything, but, you know, you have a home here whenever you're ready. Mm -hmm. So for me, those were two really, really key pieces um, of already setting the tone of, we are choosing this and like this baby, you're so loved and welcome even before you're here, you know? Yeah. So what did finding out you were pregnant like for you and how did that pregnancy journey unfold? Yeah, so um, I didn't even know if I could get pregnant um, because Um, how do I talk about this? So, yeah, just, um, you know, in the way that uh, my partner and I were having sex, I was like, okay, I'm not really pregnant yet, um, before, you know, I decided. And then as soon as we decided yes, and I started doing these things, I got pregnant within a month. So, um, it was like, whoa, this is really fast. And we kind of expected, like, yeah, six months, maybe a year. This is what I had heard from friends. But I really do think, like, 
doing all this preparation and creating this opening and safety and welcoming, it was like, like, bam, you know? Um, and I can even, I'm pretty sure remember the moment that uh, she was conceived mm. and actually each time that we would have sex, just instead of like, kind of like tensing up my body, when there would be the orgasm, I would, I would just open my body and just say really quickly like, hey, if you want to come, I'm open, you know, and um, just got pregnant really, really fast, and uh, the night before I found out I was pregnant, we were at the cacao ceremony. Oh, yes, I remember that, yeah, Um, I remember that. And I, I was at this cacao ceremony, and the whole time, I just felt so much sensation and energy here in my womb, and I just... For the first time, I felt the strength of my female ancestors or even my grandmothers. And just thinking about all of these babies they had given birth to at home with no uh, medication. And for the longest time, I had felt like my grandfathers or the men in my family were the really strong ones. But that was the first time that I felt in my body like, whoa actually like the really fucking strong Mm. badass ones are the women and you know what they have done and what their bodies can do and um yeah and and also a lot of just I intuitively was just like feeling I needed to clear out any energy from my womb from you know maybe partners who didn't deserve to be there in the past or Mm. any way that I had uh, yeah, just let something into my body that just didn't feel good. Right. So I was kind of just like clearing that one by one and just saying, okay, I let you go. Um, so then the next morning, woke up, I was really tired. And then just, I, I told DJ, uh, I think I might be pregnant, I don't know. Um, and then I just took a test and very quickly it was positive. And he's like, oh, my gosh. And I was just like, no, no, I think it's broken. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't seem. And so we literally went downstairs, walked to the pharmacy, got like a fancier digital test, took it again. I was just in shock, like, no way. Um, And took it again. And then it said two to three weeks pregnant. And I was then like we went out in the balcony in the sun and just like we're hugging and crying. And just like, oh, my God. Um, and it was a beautiful moment. <laughs> she remembers. She's like, yeah, it was a good moment. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. And so how did your pregnancy unfold? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, as soon as... I kind of found out then like the the real pregnancy started and maybe this very sunny idea that I had uh, from the past of I'm just gonna be like drinking green juices and just doing yoga (laughs) meditating and just being this beautiful pregnant woman was like and I was just like on my sofa every day and just like 
oh, I think I'm going to throw up, but I can't throw up. And you hibernated for like six months. Yeah, just like, I need crackers, I need bread. Um, And the the first three months, the first trimester was really tough for me. Uh, I just felt super low energy. I felt nauseous um, often. And I felt so tired. I, I, I couldn't even really walk from the third floor of my of my lane house to downstairs to get the um you know any deliveries or anything like I was so so tired and just every day waking up feeling like oh my gosh another day and I just remember thinking like if this is what the nine months are gonna feel like I don't know if I can do this uh it just felt so long Mm and already feeling like okay there's no heartbeat it's like i'm pregnant but you you don't really feel yeah yeah, you don't really feel connected to anything but you feel the physical symptoms and that was like the start of me feeling this like oh what have i done and like i'm already having to give up my body and this like selfish part of me is like Yeah, so that was a really interesting thing. And the other thing that I realized was I didn't know anything about being pregnant. Right. I didn't know anything. I was Googling everything. Can I eat this while I'm pregnant? Can I do this while I'm pregnant? Um, Is this a symptom of being pregnant? Is this normal? And, you know, just like blah, blah, blah um, while I'm pregnant. And um, is it normal to go to the bathroom ten times a day when I'm pregnant? Uh, yeah, 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 exactly, <laughs> right. Um, so this was another interesting thing because then it became clear to me as as women we don't learn much about how to what like okay yeah you don't eat sushi when you're pregnant and you throw up a lot like that's all uh, I really knew so. Yeah, so that was another kind of starting of me feeling like I want to take this opportunity to really learn about how to take care of myself when I'm pregnant, um, my body, my mind, and uh, so that kind of started a journey of me, uh, I... For me, I, it's because I work in this field, I think if I'm going to learn something, I might as well get certified so I can help other women with it. So I got certified to teach hypnobirthing. So it's a way of um, using breathing and guided meditation to uh, deal with any fear that you have around giving birth and how to stay relaxed. Um, and then I also got my prenatal yoga teacher certification so I could do prenatal yoga myself and then I was asked by a friend to help support her as she was giving birth so then I got my doula certification as well and when I was four months pregnant I got to help my friend give birth to her baby and it was amazing so um, I kind of took this like uh, helplessness and um, feeling kind of ignorant to empower myself and learn all about pregnancy and birth because I know that not all women have the time or the privilege to learn about all of these things while they're pregnant. Right. 
Um, and because I could, I kind of felt uh, a sense of responsibility to use what I learned to help other women. Right. What were some of the most important things that you feel like you took away from all of those training? Trust your body. Yeah. Trust your body and just um, empower yourself through information. I think that was another big thing. Right. I mean, I guess because um, I guess a lot of women arrive when they get pregnant, they arrive at a point where they, they, they start to look things up or they start reading books and it can be quite an overwhelming experience, right? What was that like for you? Of just... Uh, of like all the things you were learning because I think you went, you probably went deeper than a lot of women went. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so what was it like for you to, to kind of suddenly know so much? Um... For me, it was it was exciting and empowering because I love learning facts and right. um, and the the sources where I was getting my information were uh, sources that felt more in line with the way I like to approach health, um, just holistic ways, you know. And if you can go more towards a natural way, go towards um, a way that considers the whole being. So I wasn't really looking at, um, you know, uh, like what's the best epidural to get and stuff because this wasn't really in line with what I was hoping to do. So mm-hmm. I kind of narrowed a little bit the, the type of information I was getting. Right. So it was easily digestible for me. Right. Right. Um, so... When you were told, you just kind of spoke a little bit about learning to trust your body. Mm-hmm. Um, what were some of the things you did when you were pregnant to facilitate that trust in your own body? Mm-hmm. Um, so one big thing, like one big thing that came up during my pregnancy was about my weight. So I am a very petite woman. Um, and when I was pregnant, the, the kind of guidelines or attitude, I think, in a lot of Asian countries about how much weight that you're supposed to gain when you are pregnant are very different than those that maybe we have in the West. So I had barely, I mean, even one of my first appointments, I had gained maybe two kg and this male doctor was already telling me you really need to watch your weight um you know if you if you gain too much it's going to be really hard to uh, get back in shape after you give birth and this to me was like super disempowering and i started oh my gosh uh you know am i eating too much like uh is it too much weight? No, but I think it's not enough weight. And my mom is telling me this and this, 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 and the internet says this, but the doctor says this. And then later when I actually gained some weight and uh, then my, uh, at my hospital, my doctor, my doctor was great, but I saw another doctor when she was busy and she also said, you really need to watch your weight. And in fact, she told me that I need to do 
um, one hour of exercise where I'm sweating and my heart is beating really fast five times a week. What? While I am pregnant. So this really messed with my head and she's like, you need to keep your weight down. You need to keep your weight down. So that was a, that was a, that was a big moment for me because I have had, you know, insecurities about my weight and my body from when I was younger mm. and suddenly it just brought that back and like oh okay before people were telling me I'm too thin and now they're telling me I'm getting too much weight and it just took me back in that um, kind of not having agency over my own body right. and um, so this was like a really I think important opportunity for me to actually practice that trusting my body you know yeah maybe this person's telling me this this person's telling me this the internet is telling me this but what feels good to my body and just not even listening to the doctor and just listening to that and it worked out great so right. <laughs> yeah right so I, I mean it, it's so funny with the weight thing because it's such a common thing it's like if you're not gaining weight then they're like what's wrong like why aren't you gaining any weight if you're gaining then they're like it's like you can't really win yeah but I think it's also just like such a deep reflection of culture and society and its views on the woman's body and weight in general like you know and like you just can't win you can't be perfect mm-hmm. like that that mm-hmm. doesn't that little that little acceptable range is is so small yeah right and it it sucks that it's a part of the the birth culture as well yeah. but it definitely is yeah and i remember the doctor telling me you need to keep your baby your baby's weight at 2.5 kg otherwise it's really going to be difficult to for you to have a vaginal birth i was like how do i Make sure my baby yeah. is this. <laughs> what? And then like, oh my gosh, if I eat too much, am I going to have a C-section and this and this and this? Right. And then again, just like, trust your body, you know? Mm. Um, and it, it's difficult when you're kind of going against what your doctor is telling you. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really tricky, right? Uh, because you want to trust that and feel safe in that. But then if I was really quiet and I and I from all the information I knew and because I was quite empowered with that and then always I had this okay really this is each time a chance to trust your body and and that was uh, what I did yeah cool so let's talk about the birth what were your what were your desires for your birth and what happened mm-hmm. So, I mean, my, my dream ideal birth would be just, uh, you know, all natural, unmedicated, at home, uh, with, my, with my cat there, with my partner there, with some candles, some music, you know, just super, like, raw, and um, just taking your time, and really beautiful. Um, but in China, you're not allowed to have a home birth, so that was already out. But then I was like, okay, I've done yoga, I've been active, I'm, I'm 
doula. I've practiced hypnobirthing. I've read every book. I've supported a friend's birth. Um, I know everything. I've done everything. So I'm going to have this beautiful, just all natural birth and just trust my body. And it's just going to be, you know, perfectly happening. And this was kind of what I envisioned. And I felt like I prepared so much that if I do all that, then that is what will happen. Right. So what then ended up happening was my little baby uh, didn't want to come out because it was so comfy in here. So I was 41 weeks pregnant. And in China, that is the kind of legal cutoff of how long you're supposed to, um, you know, be able to be pregnant before you get induced. Because they say that after that, um, it's riskier for the baby to be inside than outside. And in different countries, it's uh, different. So some places it's 42 weeks, some places it's 41, some I think even 43 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so then 41 weeks, and I was doing everything. I was, there are lots of things that you can do, eat spicy foods. <laughs> go on walks, go up and down stairs, have sex. sex. Um, I was doing it all. Jumping. Jumping. There's a thing called the, yeah, I did the, I had a woman come to my house and press my feet. Um, There's a thing called the mile circuit, uh, which is supposed to help you naturally induce. I got a membrane sweep twice, which is supposed to be a way to um, induce and nothing worked nothing worked and I was like I'm doing all the things like why isn't it working this equation is supposed to be so simple and um then it was like the decision of uh okay gonna gonna do the induction and um that was really scary to me because so much of the information that I had learned was that if you get induced then you have to, you know, get um, uh, some sort of um, other medical intervention. You have to have drugs in your system. Then you have to do this and this and this, and then ultimately you can't push, and then you have to get a C-section. And my mind just, it was like the information I had learned was then suddenly feeding this narrative of fear for me. Right. Um, But then again, just like, Let's just trust it. And I think uh, Holly, my doula, and also DJ, they were crucial in in the days leading up to that because I think having the support was really, really important for me. And them just reminding me that, okay, just because this one part of your plan is maybe gone doesn't mean we have to abandon all of your... Mm your hopes and preferences for your birth you know Mm. Um, you can still have a birth that's gentle that feels positive that feels empowering that um, you know is supported uh, that you get to show up as this like strong mama so I was like okay all right let's let's do it then and um, so I was induced it was really strange for me to just go to the hospital at 7.30 in the morning, feeling completely fine. Um, and then just like telling my parents, okay, I'm gonna go have this baby. <laughs> like, um, it was really strange for me. It's not how I envisioned it. So just, um, you know, going in there and uh, 
I still had my salt lamps and uh, I had my whole birth playlist, um, had all my things, had all these snacks and juices and we made it feel really, really nice. Um, and I even had the birthing tub because I had hoped I could also have a water birth. Um, so I <clears throat> uh, did all of that and contractions were kind of starting, but then slowing down. So then they broke my bag of waters. Um, also a thing that I didn't really want to do, but I was like, okay, let's try it. And they did that. Contraction started a little bit more. Um, I was in the tub, just like uh, enjoying with my partner. And then the contraction slowed down. So then they decided um, if it was okay that we would uh, administer Pitocin, which is a synthetic oxytocin. Um, so it's a hormone that will help your contractions uh, come and uh, they gave me that, and that was another, like, oh, I didn't really want to do this, but okay, let's do it. And as soon as I took that, my contractions came like like a, like a shitstorm, just like, <laughs> I was like, oh, this is what the contractions are like. And um, I remember the, the nurse telling me, um, asking me, like, uh, at the very beginning, uh, showing me a little card with different faces. What is your pain level right now from from one to ten? I remember telling her, like, I'm okay, like a three. I was telling her, yeah, I have a, I have a pretty high pain tolerance. Um, and, I, and I asked her, I said, this ten, this face with, like, all red with the ten. I said, does anyone say ten ever? She's like, yeah. I said, I can't even imagine what a ten out of ten pain be like what, what that's crazy and she just kind of laughed and she walked away and then four hours later as I'm having this like uh you know drug induced um uh labor which I think made my contractions come on really really strong much stronger than if they would have come naturally um I had been laboring I think for three and a half hours or something at this point and doing all of my breathing I had my support with me I had my music playing and then I was having really really intense back labor mm -hmm. so so much uh, pressure in my back and um, and then they asked me the pain level and I said it's a 10 um, I understand now the 10 out of 10 pain <laughs> level um, it's a 10 uh, and, but I was like, okay, I'm going to keep doing it. And then I was asked, um, to be checked to see how much I was dilated. So before I went to the hospital, um, I was already 0.5 centimeters dilated. And after already being at the hospital, I think for like six hours at this point, um, having these really, you know, 10 out of 10, um, waves for, uh, three, almost four hours, uh, the doctor checked me and she said, you're 1.5 centimeters and I need to get to 10. So I was like, oh, okay. So this gave me a little bit more information about what was going on with my body. And my history with um, even 
uh, having um, like a pap smear, I had an IUD before, was that uh, I, I find it really, really difficult to like relax these muscles, especially my cervix. When I had my IUD inserted um, a few years before that, uh, I was breathing, I was doing everything, and my cervix would just not open. It was so, so, so closed and tight and tense. Um, so I knew there was like a part of my body that even as I was trying to relax and breathe and everything, that um, historically for my body, it was like very, very mm. tight. So when she told me that, I instantly got all those memories and I, I got this very clear message of you need to get the epidural because what I had learned from the epidural was um, all these negative things, but also that it can help relax your body. Right. So I remembered that in that moment and I thought, I just need to relax my body, you know, more than I can with my breath and my mind. And... And then it was like, I got that intuitive knowing and then the voice of criticism and no, but like epidurals are so bad and people who get epidurals are just not trying hard enough and it's the easy way out. And, and this really loud voice of, of judgment and criticism that it was really, really important for me to, to have that moment because I realized I want to work um, with birthing people and support people through this but at the same time I'm holding this attitude that is so uh, critical judgmental closed um, and that if you don't get pain relief or epidural then you're kind of superior and more prepared and um, and if you do then you know it's somehow lower or something and I was like whoa I didn't even know that I was like holding this belief and how dangerous this is, you know? And now I'm directing it towards myself. So it was really a moment of me feeling incredibly humbled of we're not gonna, yeah, we're not gonna have this kind of attitude, you know, towards yourself or anyone else. And if you're really listening to yourself in this moment, it's to get the epidural. And the part of you that's saying, no, no, that's this and this. And what are, what is my doula going to say? And what is the doctor going to say? And what is my partner going to say? That's like the, the voice of fear mm. and criticism. Mm. So it was, that was like a huge um, point of my, of my labor for me to, again, really trust my body and not trust the fear or the judgment. And so I said, okay, I want to get the epidural. And they were like, let's let's try some more you sure and I, and I was like yeah it's what I need and I got the epidural which I was terrified of more than anything else because they put it into your spine I was really really scared and I had not even learned anything about the epidural because I was just like that's not for me mm. um but I got it and um then they told me to just rest they checked me an hour later and I was I think eight centimeters seven or eight centimeters dilated so in one hour I went from 1.5 to seven or eight and in four hours I had only gone from 0.5 to 1.5 mm. so I was like oh, yes I listened to my body it's what it needed and it was able to relax and mm -hmm. open finally um, and 
then, uh, yeah, I was still um, having the contractions. And I had taken a lower dose of the epidural. You have a little button where you can click. And my doctor advised me to take the lowest dose that I could so I could still feel everything. So I could still feel all of my contractions and I still had um, pain, which felt actually empowering to me. Um, and then I was almost there, like nine centimeters dilated. Um, and then my contractions slowed down again. Mm. So they said, okay, um, it's time maybe to take a little bit more of the Pitocin. I said, okay, can you just give me time? So this is another thing that I had learned a lot um, during my, my kind of research and studies about the link between um, you know, oxytocin and sexuality and sensuality and birth. So uh, everyone left, including the nurses, Holly, the doula, um, and DJ and I were just alone in the room and we had an hour and we just turned some music on and I was naked and he was just behind me and just touching me and kissing me and I just said let's forget about everything and I just want to connect again to the whole intention of wanting to have this baby is like the love you know and I just want to enjoy this moment with with the person I love and so we were just kissing and uh, he was like touching my nipples and all of this stuff is like sending like waves of pleasure through my body mm. and um, is actually stimulating the natural oxytocin so the thing that makes your contractions come so uh, we just spent that hour and I was uh, touching myself and um, just feeling so good and like having my my neck kissed and just making out and also feeling like, ooh, this is so naughty, you know? Like, <laughs> the nurses could walk in at any time. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, <laughs> which is good. It was like, that's my, that's me, you know? That's right, my right, spirit. Right. This is like the right. part of me that I love and um, just us feeling like, hee, hee, hee. And just, like, so good. I mean, I felt like I could nearly orgasm. I was just feeling amazing, so connected, um, just so much pleasure. And uh, my contractions started again. And the doctor came in, and she checked me, and she said, oh, you're 10, and now your contractions are strong. It's time to push. And my partner and I were just looking at each other like, we did this yeah (laughs) whoa um and it was super super cool and i think this is something about birth that is so taboo and people don't know about and um yeah but to me it's like the same thing that conceived the baby you know the sex the connection the love is the same thing that's going to bring this baby here right Mm. yeah yeah wow so many things to unpack there. <laughs> but before we go on to unpack some of those things, what was it like to give birth to Rasa and hold her in your arms? Yeah, it was um, just like such an initiation of, that was another thing of, um, in my mind, my plan was to be really primal and, um, pushing uh, on all fours or <laughs> squatting and, and the doctor let me try all of that 
And then um, it was making my cervix get swollen. Right. So then she said, if it feels okay, like, let's try on your back. I was like, this is the one thing I put in my plan. I don't want to be on my back. <laughs> this is, you know, it's not the way. And then it was another just surrendering. And okay, okay, let's surrender. Let's try. I got on my back. And then it was going. And that um, that experience of, uh, of pushing and having, yeah, my partner there cheering me on and the doctor was amazing and just like, yes, it's happening. You're doing great. Um, it was such a crazy moment because outside was so like energized and loud and everyone like, yes, yes. A lot of um, motivating energy. But in that moment, in my mind, it was so quiet and so still. Mm-hmm. And just me talking to myself like, you can do this. You got it. Mm-hmm. You know, each each as each wave came and I had to push it's like okay here we go we're gonna do this all right go and then just like everything in me like um and it was super empowering for me because also the sounds that I was just letting come out as I said before um something when I was preparing to get pregnant was I felt like my expression or like my throat or just me being able to speak and everything was somehow blocked from my childhood. And it was so, so healing for me to just let that like um, animalistic sound come out through my, my throat and not care about what it sounded like or anything like that and just like trusting that. And um, as I let the, the sound come out, I could feel it was like working with my body and, mm. and helping me um, to bring her out. And then it was like, okay, the head is out. Okay, let's do this, let's do this. And then just like one push and her whole body came out. And um, yeah, it was surreal and powerful and beautiful. And um, just, yeah, a, a moment that, I don't even really know how to describe. Right. Yeah. Cool. So let's let's go back back a little bit. Um, what I remember, I think you had just reached, I think, forty weeks, mm. and you had just left your your forty week appointment. And I think the conversation of being induced was kind of like the biggest topic, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I think you were texting me and Mel and. Mm-hmm. you know a couple of other yeah a couple of us and, and and really kind of being like oh my god there's this impending thing yeah. that I have to really think and look at now mm-hmm. uh, which obviously wasn't a part of the plan yeah do you want to take us a little bit through how you were feeling when the idea of an induction was kind of put on the table and mm-hmm. and what like how did you feel um and what were some of your learnings from, from, from that experience? Yeah, so I think it was really difficult for me because I had a timeline right. of if you can naturally go into labor by this many weeks and this many days, then you can, you can do what you want. Right. Um, but you have, and the doctor's telling me, okay, you have until Wednesday, you know? And just like, 
oh, how do, what do I do? How do, what, what, you know, I'm okay. Let me do all the things. Or maybe should I just like relax? And this, um, this kind of, uh, dialogue in my head and it was really, really stressful and feeling a little bit helpless, a little bit powerless. Mm. Um, and just like, how can I make my baby want to come out? You know, like, mm. how do I do that? Um, and just up until that moment, um, when they told me about the induction, my whole pregnancy had been very smooth, um, no issues. So it was just something that kind of caught me off guard and just something that I wasn't expecting to happen to me, you right. know? Because right. um, you did all the work. Yeah, exactly. I followed you, the equation. Did I did the, yes. the yoga and the green juices and like <laughs> still what's going on. Right. So... Um, yeah, I think it was just, um, like, it can happen to anyone, you right, know? Right, right. And it, it did give me a feeling of a little bit of powerlessness because, yeah, how do I make it happen in this time? Um, but also just, like, a, you just got to surrender to it, you mm-hmm. know? And, and with this situation that's happening, how can I still bring all of the values that I have, bring this trust, um, feel supported, and just, yeah, surrendering to the unknown and, and the mystery and the um, something that felt very scary to me as well. Right, right, right. I think... Um you know, I think it's it's that's always the most difficult part about birth is the the, the unexpected things that can happen, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's the thing that we fear the most, right? Like, and and you know, of course, like whenever something happens and it's unexpected, the first thing like our mind takes us to is just the fear narrative, right? Mm-hmm. And it turns all of the knowledge that we know about whatever subject it is against us almost, yeah, right, and. Um, so I guess I wanted to also ask you, um, how do you think your preparation for having a natural birth contribute to you having a positive experience when things didn't go according to plan? Mm. Because I think that like, I mean, at least from my observation, I feel like there are a lot of women out there that just hear a lot of negative stories about birth and they kind of just say, okay, that's the experience I'm going to have. Mm -hmm. And they don't really kind of investigate what else is beyond that, right? Mm -hmm. And so for someone maybe like that don't really know anything about birth and they listen to this, they might just be like, oh, okay, so that's the norm, that's the common narrative, so maybe I should just settle for that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I want to kind of dive in a little bit Mm -hmm. on how the preparation you did kind of because you look back at your, your, your experience as being very positive. And I feel like, especially towards the end, how you really kind of used your knowledge about the oxytocin part mm-hmm. to kind of, you know, work together with your partner to, to really kind of, I think that was the most beautiful aspect of it for you mm-hmm. because you feel like you gained control, you know, you kind of reclaimed that power mm-hmm. for yourself. How did that knowledge and preparation for having a low intervention birth, how did that contribute to this birth experience? Mm. Um, the, one of the biggest things would be that 
Um, as uh, each one of these things were being introduced to me by my doctor, even when we started to talk about a possible uh, uh, induction, I knew exactly what came along with that. And I was able to ask for things like my bishop score, which a lot of people don't know about, right? So a bishop score, um, which I learned from when I did my doula training, was a score that they, uh, you know, look at the your cervix and the position of the baby and all these different things to, to give you kind of an estimate that if you get induced what is the likelihood that you will have a vaginal birth right and that the induction will kind of work yeah. so um and and the doctor was surprised when i asked for that you know mm-hmm. so for me having that and my my score being really high it helped me feel more empowered and kind of take the control back of okay i'm making this decision um knowing this information and so it feels a little bit more aligned and I feel um, more confident to make this decision mm-hmm. as well as um, just uh, just understanding all of the things about what each intervention meant, um, being able to have enough knowledge that I was able to ask for time when I needed before an intervention, you know, right. before the second time when they wanted to give me the Pitocin. Um, because I had prepared for a birth that was, uh, you know, low intervention, it meant learning about the interventions, right? And also questioning, okay, what is the risk with this? Right. Uh, why do you want to do this to me? And can I have some time, right? right. So right. these pieces, um, if I had just been with my pregnancy, like, well, I'll probably, you know, have to get induced or whatever. So I'm just gonna kind of wing it, and let's just see what happens. Um, then I would have gone into the birth with like, okay, the doctor's telling me this. I don't know what that is, but like, first okay. time. Yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. And then it's like, you just give your power away like right. that. Right. So um, I think just taking the time to learn these things, it empowers you because you're a part of the conversation. Right. You're a part of the decision making. Right. And for me, um, that that knowledge was very very empowering because um, I understood at each level exactly what was happening and I also felt empowered to to question it to Mm -hmm. ask the staff to say I want more time Mm -hmm. to ask if we can do a different way right and I think a big important part of that is also when you decided to get the epidural Mm -hmm. even though you knew the risks associated with it you also knew the benefit that Mm -hmm. it could bring to your experience as well and working with your own knowledge and your own body and having that understanding and coming to that decision that you're like no that this feels right for me Mm -hmm. in in that moment Um, which I think is is really important because I, I feel like you know, even when I was pregnant the first time around, I was definitely overwhelmed by information because there was just so much I didn't know. And I, my best friend was pregnant at the time, and, and I've said this before, we were both like, okay, let's not look too much into this because let, let's not get anxious and let's not get overwhelmed. And that was kind of my general attitude when I was, when I was in it. But, but in hindsight, like, I'm so glad that I also did all the preparation that I did because... Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have had 
my birth experience if it wasn't because of that as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, so then the next thing I want to kind of touch on is your support team. Mm. Um, because I, I always kind of talk about in, in, in most of these things is how important choosing the right care provider for you is and having a team that you feel like we're able to hold space for you is. Mm-hmm. Um, can you walk us through a little bit about um, how you went about choosing your care provider, how you assembled your support team, including you know hiring a doula? Mm-hmm. What did that, how did you decide on all of these things and what were your consideration factors? Mm-hmm. So I would say in general, I'm a person I don't ask for a lot of help. Right. I like to figure things out by myself. And I think a, a piece of that is wanting to have control if I'm realistic with myself. Um, so for me to, to have support, I'm extremely picky. And also with doctors, I'm very um, skeptical about a lot of the information and the attitudes of a lot of doctors in the medical field um, and you know about actually how much information they have from um, a more holistic right uh, way so for for the doctor I was I was very very picky and um, you uh, gave birth with dr. Ferguson so um, that was like the first uh, entry point to her and then this hospital their statistics were you know very low um, rates of uh, episiotomy of just unnecessary interventions um, emergency c-section was quite low so um, you know understanding all of these different statistics and just overall the the approach and the values of the, the staff at the hospital right um, compared to other hospitals that I went to. Um, and just finding a doctor who who I felt like, uh, you know, didn't look at me like I was crazy when I talked about right. something like a water birth or if mm. I asked about, um, you know, nipple stimulation or mm. um, all these kinds of things. So just feeling like we had values that were um, close to each other. Right. Um, so that was important. And then for hiring a doula, um, yeah, just Holly had become a friend of mine because um, I'm not really sure how we met something about, um, I was interested in doula work and we had met up and for me it's a lot about listening to my body as well mm-hmm. of when i'm around someone how does my mm-hmm. my body feel right you know how does my nervous system feel do i feel a little, a little nervous a little heart racing a little uh you know um worried about what i'm gonna say or do i just feel like relaxed you mm-hmm. know um and when i was around holly i just felt really relaxed mm-hmm. and i thought if this person is gonna see me push a baby outside of my vagina like I want to feel like we're kind of relaxed we're friends you know um so 
So, yeah, it felt really good and um, safe to my nervous system. And uh, so I think that was the main thing of, like, who are the pieces of the, t- of the team that are making me feel both safe and empowered? Um, and also that my partner feels good with as right. well because it's kind of a whole, whole team. So, right. um, yeah, it just for me was um, for the doctor just shopping around until I felt like, okay, this feels right. Um, and uh, for, for people who wonder if they should get a doula or not, for me, I had planned a very um, low intervention natural birth, but because of my, uh, you know, with the induction and um, I, I think it can be easy to think, okay, if you're going, going to get induced or if uh, you're going to have a C-section that you don't need. need. That yeah, yeah. Um, but it makes a huge difference, a huge difference you know. Um, because, because I had Holly as my doula, my partner was really able to be there with me. As um, your partner. Yeah, mm. um, not as my doula, not as the person who needs to talk to the hospital staff, mm. not as the person who needs to get me a juice box, you know, mm-hmm. but just there to, yeah, connect with me, love me, mm. kiss me, and mm. um, so that was, yeah, really uh, special for me, I think. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I guess, like, you know, actually, like, you know, I... I, I I always have to kind of like I feel like I have to warn people that like the birth experience that we had with 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 Dr. Ferguson and this team in particular is it's not the norm. Mm. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. it's not the norm. Um, so I feel like you know I, I I want to also preface that by you know also saying that it's really important to to look at your care providers and and really kind of try to understand talk to different people that have gone to the same care provider to understand what their experience is. Because collectively, if you hear a lot of positive stories about that one care provider, it's probably likely that they are going to be Mm -hmm. a good one. Mm -hmm. But if you repeatedly hear that going to this specific hospital, women are saying that oh, I ended up in an emergency C-section. Oh, I also ended up in an emergency C-section. And I also ended up in an emergency C-section, but my birth was fine. My birth was fine, but I ended up in an emergency C-section. If you repeatedly hear that Mm. about the same hospital or the same care provider, I think that should really serve as a red Mm. flag, even though it is a positive experience experienced by the woman Mm -hmm. but that many emergency c-sections does not add up and so i think that as as much as like it's great for us as women to do our own homework we have to also understand that systematically Mm -hmm. there are also things that you need to understand about hospitals the cultures they have what is the norm, what is their general policy, mm-hmm. and what is their general way of doing things, yeah. right? And, you know, some care providers actually will, depending on the situation of your birth, if you have a very low-risk pregnancy, they might actually be willing to wait beyond that 41 weeks. 
but that requires for you to take to have that conversation mm -hmm. and to understand what the risks are associated with that right and so that's that's why I think like you know you had a care provider that listened to you mm -hmm. when you said wait I'm not ready for this I need a little bit more time mm -hmm. they were a team that were very willing to listen and not all care providers are like that mm -hmm. and so yeah anyway important yeah um, okay so then the, I want to finish on how you think your um, birth experience contributed to your postpartum experience mm. and what was that like for you yeah so <laughs> um, so I think there are two pieces here that I want to talk about. One is that um, I, I think my birth experience was the experience that I needed mm. um, because of this moment with realizing all of the judgment that I had, my attitudes that I had towards women who chose this or that. Um, and towards yourself too, right? And myself, yeah most importantly right towards myself and just like having the courage to really trust my body when it was even not fitting like the mold of what I thought and being able to just uh, go with the flow but still keep my values when um, yeah it was not all of the ideal conditions uh, Ultimately, I had a very, very positive experience. I had no tearing. I had a very healthy baby. Um, and so that set a really nice tone for my postpartum. And I had done lots of preparation for the birth and the pregnancy and labor. But now, after giving birth, I would say to anyone who is preparing to have a baby, yes, the birth is very, very important. Pregnancy is very, very important. But you, you need to prepare for mm. postpartum. You need to prepare for when the baby is here mm. because whew, <laughs> it is hard. <laughs> it is crazy. Like, mm. I, I just... Um, especially because, you know, because of COVID, I was not able to have my mom here or any family. And it was just DJ and I, um, some, some things at least that I prepared were, uh, had some friends organize like a meal train. So for the first, I think two weeks, two and a half, three weeks, um, every day someone was dropping off some snacks, homemade meals, soups. Um, that was really, really helpful and amazing. Um, but postpartum is difficult because your body is healing from this very, very huge event of giving birth. Like, you know, it's your body is completely changed. Um, and your hormones are all are crazy and you have no sleep 
you're learning to breastfeed if you're deciding to do that, which was also something that I thought would be so easy and intuitive and just, yeah. yeah. And I was like in tears, like, this is so hard. My nipples are bleeding. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, like everything else, you know, even with the breastfeeding, having support um, from right. a lactation consultant, uh, just, I think you need to have just as much support and a plan for your postpartum as you do for your birth. Mm. That's what I would say. Mm. Um, you think that you can just wing it and it's just going to be these sunny days with a little sweet baby and and everything. But, um, yeah, I think the more that you also prepare for, yeah, some sleepless nights, um, how to take care of your body mm. after you give birth, mm. that was huge. My body was like... Um, I was feeling really sick sometimes. I had all sorts of back pain from breastfeeding, um, you know, just uh, not enough sleep. So I had uh, a woman come, like, from the, I think, third week that I was uh, postpartum to give me a massage, oil massage, uh, I think, like, four times a week for five weeks. Um, Yeah. So she came into my house and she also studied TCM and she was just kind of like an auntie to me, you know, just telling me like, make sure you wear socks and (laughs) don't eat, don't eat cold food. And, and I really needed that because I didn't have my mom, I didn't have grandma or anyone. And, um, of course my partner gave me support, but yeah, it's not the same. And just having someone really lovingly, you know, because she came so much like, um, I wanted to have someone tell me, like, do this, don't do this. Just a little Just, bit, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, but then go away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's so that, that's what I would say. Um, just prepare more for postpartum. Right. Yeah. Right. So if you, I think you're planning on having another one, right? Are you, or have you not gone there yet? I, I don't know. Okay. Um, the but, reason I say is because you guys met my, my baby. She's very calm, very easy. She's like an angel yeah. zen baby. Yeah. However. And I think that the likelihood of having two like that no. yeah. uh, is, is... I have the same fear. Yeah. You know, I have, yeah, that's like my <laughs> reoccurring fear is that the second one is going to be... nuts but (laughs) but having said that like I guess my the reason why I ask is if you were to prepare for this Mm. birthing experience again other than preparing more for the postpartum what else would you do would you do anything differently or how would you prepare the second time um for for this birth I would say I wouldn't change anything right Uh, right right yeah. yeah and and how it prepared um, I think it was divinely perfect um, for the, if I have another birth, um, yeah, I, I, I'm just curious, I think the one thing is, if I had been given the chance to be able to wait, um, to not be induced, uh, you know, I think if I have another baby, I won't be here in China. So I would be curious that if I just really wait for my body and, mm. 
when the baby is ready to come, when the body is ready, uh, what that would be like. And maybe even have a home birth. I would love that. Right, right, yeah. right. That's my dream too. Yeah. yeah. But I'm not having a third. <laughs> That's not happening. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so with that, um, I'm going to open it up to everyone else. Uh, does anyone have any questions? Yeah, you had mentioned that after an induction, there is the next procedure, including extra medicine, maybe extra shots. How did that go afterwards? Um, after I gave birth? After, after the induction, yeah. you said that there are consequences in terms of other procedures to follow yeah. because of that. Yeah. So, so how did that, those other procedures go? So Do you want to know about hers or yes. in general? Okay. Hers yeah, yeah. or in general. Um, yeah, so, so for me, um, first they broke my water bag, um, which can make your contractions come. So this is like the first thing they did for the induction. Because induction is, induction can be many different things. It just means getting your body started for labor. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you can press a button, it's like, it's the yeah, induction now, right? It can be different things. So for me, I chose first to, to have them break my water To bag. do the membrane sweep, actually. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, so, so induction can be natural or medicated. So the natural methods, it could be things like acupuncture. It's just anything that doesn't involve drugs, mm-hmm. basically. Um, and so an induction of labor actually could be the membrane sweep, which is basically putting, um, like separating, I don't even know how to really describe it. It's really yeah. like, like it's, it's called a membrane sweep because essentially what you're doing is you're trying to separate the, uh, uh, sac the, from the yeah, that amniotic sac yeah. from the cervix so that it separates it. So that's one of the natural methods. And then another method is to break the, 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 the sack itself. So you know when you, in movies... Like the baby's inside, you know? Yeah, you so you know when in movies, when you see breaks. like women go into labor and they just gush out like a ton of water, mm. that's usually when the amniotic uh, sack breaks naturally. And so breaking the waters is doing that manually. Yeah, they take like a little naturally. hook thing and they just... Man- manually. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. I, maybe I misunderstood it because... As I was, uh, as I'm trying to get pregnant, uh, the doctor is like, okay, take this medicine. But if you start taking this medicine before you're pregnant, then if you're pregnant, you have to continue taking that. Mm. So I thought that's what you meant. But if you do the induction now for the next three, two, four months, you need to keep taking some medicine. No, 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 no. Yeah, the only thing that, um, the only drug that I was given was through an IV. It's the synthetic hormone oxytocin so it's the thing that um, naturally your body produces when you have sex when you cuddle when you see a baby Um, and so it's a synthetic form of it so that's they give it through an IV and that makes your contractions come so that was the first thing I had Um, a lot of the times when you have that especially if you get it in a high dose or if your body is sensitive to it um, then the contractions you have are much stronger so really, really strong. So then the, the pain that you have with those can be much more intense than if your body was naturally um, just having contractions. So then a lot of times what can happen is then, um, then you get the epidural. So this is what I had. 
and then um, a lot of the times after that, people get the epidural, but um, then your labor slows down, yeah. and then you need more synthetic oxytocin yeah. to speed up the labor. So what she meant by the interventions that happens is that once you kind of start augmenting that natural process, you probably need to have just more mm-hmm. interventions to just keep mm-hmm. it going. Mm-hmm. Um, the interesting thing about the, the synthetic oxytocin is because naturally oxytocin is created in the brain. Mm-hmm. So when you actually get synthetic oxytocin as a drip into your body, it doesn't cross over into the brain barrier. Mm. So that's why you feel it differently. Mm. Because naturally it's kind of like it comes from here and then it goes into the rest of your body. So oxytocin also triggers that your body will also naturally produce pain relief, basically. Like like other hormones in the brain to create so that it counterbalances that pain that you experience with the contractions. Mm-hmm. And so and so when you're given a synthetic version of that and that's given through an IV drip into your body, it just goes into your body to create the contractions that happens in your uterus, but it doesn't do the other thing that triggers the pain relief, um, the pain relief hormones that, that, that naturally gets activated. So that's, the, that's actually the reason why. You cannot have it all. Yeah, right, 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 yeah. Yeah, but I didn't have to take any any sort of drugs after Yeah, and so usually also the, the, the biggest thing with in, in, in interventions in general like getting um, either uh, uh, getting induced is actually um, that it increases the rate of an emergency C-section mm-hmm. so okay. that's usually actually that's the thing that's that like that probably like thing that you want to avoid the most is the possibility of that Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, that's a that's a very big, complicated thing to kind of get into, but the the the, the intervention and the cascade of that is basically mm-hmm. yeah, basically. I was wondering, you mentioned like emergency C sections. Um, just on the topic of C section, mm-hmm. what like is a what are some cases for planned C sections, mm-hmm. and why is it? like considered by negative well i mean i guess it really depends um i think culturally especially in asia plan c sections are quite considered quite normal mm-hmm. um but the biggest thing about why it's really important to wait for spontaneous labor is there is a lot of research done about the reason like that there is a very big belief about um the baby's lungs being ready before labor actually gets triggered naturally. And so the reason to wait for that is because your baby needs to be ready. There's a reason why they're coming at the time that it gets triggered. And so when you have a planned C-section that it, the baby might not be ready, like the baby's lungs and some of the, the, the things that they need to develop in the final stages of the pregnancy, mm-hmm. they might not actually be ready to, 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 to kind of come out and be born. Um, and also, of course, like having a C-section can impact breastfeeding because, again, it goes back to like all the hormones and things that, that happens during a physiological birth. So when oxytocin is released, it actually also triggers a lot of other hormonal things that's happening in your brain. And that in, in turn kind of brings breastfeeding kind of into play. Um, and just a lot of biological things happen. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so it's not necessarily that like C-sections are negative. They can be very helpful depending on the circumstance. But in terms of for the overall health of the mother and child, it's, I guess it, it's, it, 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 you should look at the risks associated with having a planned C-section as opposed to, you know, having a physiological birth. And I think as a general understanding before, you know, my, my new belief is really that if you are interested at all in how your body works, you don't even need to think about being pregnant. You might not even ever want to become a mother, but if you're just simply interested in yourself and what your body is made up of, understand how physiological birth works. Because I think that there's, there's just, it's, it's, it's really quite fascinating. Um, all the things that are at play, all the magical things that kind of happen. Um, I, I would add one more point is, um, if you have a, an elective C-section, like if there's no medical need for it, and you just do it because you think it's easier than giving birth, I mm. think some women or some couples think it's more convenient because right. you can plan it, right. um, you know, whatever the reasons may be, um, don't forget that that is a major surgery right. that right. you're having, you know, you're getting cut through I multiple layers. Yeah. I watched a video um, of this, it's five, for five minutes they open your, 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 your muscles, only five minutes it takes to take the baby out, and 45 minutes, of course, they take out the intestines, and they shove it all back in, and for 45 minutes, they stitch you back in. Yeah, so I think the thing is that, you know, postpartum is already very, very difficult, mm. but if you have a C-section as well, you are also recovering from a major right. surgery, you know? So um, to actually, uh, if you want to breastfeed and, and you're recovering here from um, a surgery, you're not able to uh, move a lot, you know, and any complications that can happen with surgery uh, are there. And I think the other thing um, is that actually from the baby passing through mm. the vaginal canal when yeah. it's born, um, there are a lot of benefits for the baby's immune system because there is bacteria in the vagina that when the baby passes through, it gets exposed to this bacteria. So. Something that you can ask for is um, they actually uh, swipe your vagina with, with like a swab and then wipe it on the baby. This is all related to the microbiome and the gut actually. So it's, 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 very, it's, very, it's a very big question and a very yeah, long answer, mm -hmm. but there's, 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 there's a reason why biology is designed this way. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it is, is really for, for, for a lot of these things like optimum health, waiting for the baby to be really fully ready, like developmentally ready, having their lungs ready, which is actually the biggest thing. Um, and that, that's, you know, something to, to, to kind of look into with like, you know, a lot of kids, more kids having asthma these days, for example. Um, and then the microbiome thing is, you know, related to your immune system. And so, yeah, there's, there's actually a lot of links related to all of that. So, Nothing in nature, I think, is designed by accident or I just agree, because, yeah. right? Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Except for, for nipples on men. Except for that. <laughs> 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 well, maybe we haven't discovered what yeah, they're exactly. really for yet. We haven't indeed. Maybe it's we been, haven't yet. Yeah, it's yeah. Been 20 million years, we haven't yet. No, no, no. But I mean, there's, there's crazy things that you'll. 
the clitoris was only mapped out in the last decade. The ana- at the anatomy of the, of the clitoris. So, you know, there's a lot of things we don't know about our bodies. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone? I'm curious um, for the, the mothers here, um, if you guys consider doing the Chinese like uh, one month, like, yeah, um, and whether you decided to or not, what reasons? Whoever wants to talk. <laughs> um, you mean actually having a USL or no, just the, the no, confinement period? And no, the, you um, can actually go to a place, um, like a, you know, places where they will fully take care of you mm-hmm. in all ways. Um, that's also very big. That's also yeah. very like big. Kind of yeah. yeah. Uh, first of all, it's super, super it's expensive. expensive. Yeah. Yeah. It's like staying at a five-star hotel yeah. or... More. You know? Yeah. More. It's yeah. like staying in a 10-star hotel for you know, 40 <laughs> days. Yeah. Um, that's one thing. And just for, for me, um, I don't really like being told what to do all mm. the time. Um, and, you know, when you are in a center like that, they have a way they want you to do things. Um, that's another thing. And, it's of course, there are some benefits to it, too. You know, they have different um, services, uh, really nice meals. But for me those uh, postpartum days to be able to spend it where I feel the most comfortable which is my home you know with all of my comforts at home my bed um, that was really special to me um, and not to feel like I'm in, in, in a place that's you know feels a little bit sterile or um, something like that so to have home and um for me, I did follow some of the, uh, you know, I wore socks, I dressed really warm. I had my baby in July, but I was wearing really warm clothes all the time, um, only eating uh, warm foods. So my family is from India, and we also have um, similar things of what to do after birth, um, especially about diet, eating very warming, easily digestible foods, um, lots of stews and soups and yeah just staying really warm and just working with the body so um i didn't but you guys can answer about the i also didn't because i think the i i actually really believe in the traditional aspects of it but i don't think it is practiced that way today so traditionally like I'm talking about very, very traditionally, the confinement period was really a time for the woman to learn about how to take care of their baby and everyone does everything else around them. Mm-hmm. It is not like that anymore. The general practice of what Yuezu is like today, whether you have an IE come to your house or you go to one of those hotels, is that the woman basically lies on a bed and does nothing. You're not supposed to go out for a walk, you're not supposed to like really like looking after the baby is not your job anymore. But it's taken yeah. over by another person and the aspect of that that makes me feel the most uncomfortable mm-hmm. is when I started kind of looking into it. I mean my, my, I wanted to breastfeed. When I started to look into it, I found out that in most of the, the women that I knew that had a USL, the thing that made them the most anxious about um, about breastfeeding was actually that the, the seed of doubt came from the, 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 the USLs. 
And so, you know, just someone constantly asking like, oh, they're hungry, you have to give them some formula. They're doing this, you're not doing this well enough. And mm -hmm. for me, that was what made me feel really uncomfortable about doing that because I'm a new mom. I knew I was going to make mistakes. I knew I wasn't going to be good at it. I knew that going in. Like, there's no, there's no way. Of course, there's still that expectation that once you, when you don't do something well enough that you're always like, oh, well, why haven't I gotten it yet? Of course, that you still have that internal conversation. But I didn't want that coming from someone that I didn't even know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, like, I don't want you to tell me that, like, I'm not bathing my child, right? Like, fuck off. <laughs> you know, like, no. <laughs> You know, and, and, and the only way to learn is to be, is to do it, right? Yeah. And through trial and error and to, to make, make that. And so there are things that I, I really believe in it, like you should really look after yourself, have someone cook and clean for you, do all the yeah. crap that you don't want to do. But I think, I think if it was done in the traditional, like really, really traditional sense where, you know, I, I, that they're there to look after the mum, I think I would be more inclined to do it. But my my feeling from what I get from it's just that like it, it sounds great but I don't know how much it would contribute to my confidence as mm -hmm. a mother for me that was why it's me mm -hmm. I can relate that yeah the same yeah. for me as well and I make sure that I hired like, if I needed to spend my money I would spend it on someone who would take care of me and do the dishes yeah. and cook and I remember I had the um, was it called 40 days? Yeah. The first, my first 40 days of postpartum with all these amazing TCM recipes and she was just following the book and cooking for me every day. So that was, actually I had the most amazing, like that was the most beautiful part of, of postpartum for me, having her and being in bed with my boyfriend and, and baby, that was so beautiful. She didn't even touch my child for like the first three months, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that was super nice. I think that for me, the first three months, I'm, I, I, I'm describing the period as like, uh, I'm a drug addict and my baby is my drug. Right. <laughs> so like, you're tired, exhausted, you're like, everyone get away, but the baby. <laughs> the baby. <laughs> and, yeah. and I have, have a picture, and my husband took a picture of me, like, my hair is all messed up, a pacifier in my mouth, like, my baby. <laughs> And think that the same goes for family members too, actually. Oh, no, absolutely. <laughs> no, like, like, yeah, you go, I mean, it's great to have family around, but like, who? Yeah. Right? Like, if, if, it's, if it's certain people, like, I definitely have people in my family where I'm like, now, like, I'm like, no. Like, that this person is not coming because it's not going to be helpful for me because I have to worry about taking care of them. And that's not what I need, right? And I know it's going to not sit well, but no, <laughs> if you're not helpful, you're not coming, <laughs> right? Yeah. Journey, I have a question actually to change it to the subject a little bit. You mentioned that you were connecting to your baby before the conception. Uh, were you also connecting to her before getting induced and during your labor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that relationship uh, 
started before mm-hmm. I conceived and then just continued throughout my pregnancy mm-hmm. um, and yeah I I wrote some some letters to her in my journal mm-hmm. that I, I can look back on now maybe I can share them with her one day and um, and also yeah during the birth before the birth and I think you know for, for a lot of women we think yeah it's it's not a, a baby that's born or really has any understanding yet but I think the the connection between a, a mother and a baby and also the I think when a baby is in the womb they're getting a lot of information mm-hmm. and learning about the world mm-hmm. you know about what kind of world am I coming into so how I think, do I react to things yeah so what is the norm mm-hmm. right I think if you're pregnant during um, you know in a war zone um, the way that your body is producing um, stress hormones you know how you are your environment is giving this baby information about the world that she is going to be born into, right? So that she can survive. Mm-hmm. Um, so then she might be more, um, you know, a little bit neurotic, reactive, uh, you know, more sensitive. Mm-hmm. And for me, um, I thought it was really important to all the time have this dialogue with my baby that this is your first home and I want you to know that it's a safe one and that the world that you're coming into let me tell you about it mm. it's it's a it's a place filled with love where you're wanted mm. um where you can relax like we're here to take care mm. of you and i personally think the reason one of the reasons that my baby is so easygoing all the time and just like well adjusted was because i was mm. i was giving her that information all the time of like just chill you know? mm. Yeah. So maybe the second one's gonna be okay. <laughs> oh my god. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Cool. Anyone else? Maybe I have a bit of a general question, as both of you have a, a ton of knowledge. Uh, so I think I'm a hypersensitive person, meaning I, my senses are very, very uh, thin, let's say. And I'm very drawn to natural births, but I have a huge worry of my threshold for pain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so do you know stuff about that? Or maybe stuff I could read? Uh, because I'm very, very drawn to any holistic and more natural mm-hmm. paths. Mm-hmm. Then I can can I deal mm-hmm. with sure. the actual painful experience. Sure. Do you want to start? Uh, sure. So, um, I would say a big part of um, preparing for for birth is being really uh, like working with the fears that you have for for all of us, right? For me, one of the fears that I had was, I'm so tiny and my husband is huge. I don't know if I can have a natural birth, you know? What if I have a baby that's too big? I don't know. Things that people have told me, like, you're definitely going to have a C-section, you know? (coughs) Things like this in the past. 
and and just these kinds of stories we tell ourselves you know of i have a pain, low pain tolerance of i don't know if my body can uh, have a, a vaginal birth of these things that are kind of rooted in fear and yeah fear of the pain fear of the unknown of losing control what if something goes wrong and as you're pregnant more and more of these come up you know from stories that you hear from things that the doctor tells you from unforeseen things that happen and it's really learning to work with that fear and uh, a great tool for that is hypnobirthing because you learn to um, really what is under that fear you know and how can we change that narrative in a way that feels more empowering you know and it's kind of uh, like reprogramming your fear of uh, you're strong actually you know and, and your body uh, is made to give birth your body is made to give birth as a woman we have in our body um, everything that we need to give birth so in that moment it's just a perception of I don't have a high pain tolerance uh, I have a low pain tolerance uh, I thought I had a high pain tolerance and I <laughs> got the epidural you know it's just these stories that we tell ourselves and um just yeah working with that fear and just saying like how about what i focus on is no matter what happens how i can react to each moment in a way that i'm relaxed and i'm you know accepting and okay it's okay you know we're not going to panic and if something doesn't go according to plan how can i still be relaxed in that and surrender to that you know um Sorry, we need to take a train. That's why we're gonna make noise. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, I guess uh, I'll jump off of that, and I'm I'm currently looking into mindful birthing. Um, so actually, postpartum, I did something called mindfulness-based stress reduction, which is an eight-week-long mindfulness program. Um, so mindful birthing is a birthing program that is a jump off of that. The idea of it is. Um, so I'm sure that you've heard about some of the benefits of meditation, um, which is that it can actually, the most important thing that I feel like that I'm really beginning to, to learn and, and understand now is how much that rewires your nervous system. And so when you talk about and describe sensitivity, um, the first thing that I think about is your nervous system, right? And so, um, you know, I can send you the book, um, and actually, there's a French guy here that does that runs the uh, the mindfulness-based stress reduction program now. Um, and anyway, it's something to look into. But I um, I think that that is there are so many different holistic tools out there, um, and so many different ideas depending on what you feel like is suitable for you. Um, I would say that for, for me, I would suggest looking into the, the, the MBSR or the MBCP, which is the mindfulness space. Uh, oh, did you do it with Delphine? Uh, I did with them, uh, what was it? I can't remember the name, it was like four years ago. Okay. Uh, I did the mindfulness I think my question is more about like how can you prepare to something you've never experienced if you find out what you've ever pain. Right. It's like, 
I mean, like, every month I have my period, I have incredibly painful periods, and I can't bear them without medication. Right. And sometimes I try and like, you know, be strong, like, I will maybe 30 more minutes without the pain, the, mm -hmm. the medicine, but I just can't. It's right. Right. So, but I think I really like with you with uh, a lot of fears to Right, right. Yeah, and I think I think look into that too. Mm. Try and maybe also try and explore what the pain is trying to tell you. Can I say something about yeah, 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 yeah. You might want to look into doing like some womb rituals because often when you have painful periods, they're like fears, etc., mm. etc. Et but maybe ancestral, and you can do some like clearing. Mm. And uh, yeah, she's speaking from experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. No, and I and I, I agree with that too, because I've yeah. cleared out some before. Yeah, when I um before I gave birth to Ella, I used to get really really painful oh, yeah. periods too. Um, and then after Ella, I I I had a, a I did kind of some healing, I guess, yeah. not just giving not just the process of giving birth to Ella, but I did. It was it, it was it was ancestral stuff from my maternal side from my mom's side mm -hmm. and I really felt it come out I could see it I could see it too I'm the only woman who can use that and mm. have stress stuff so mm. it's yeah. 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 yeah I could share some stuff with you okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah actually I yeah I generally didn't have like painful menstrual cycles but I have had like I did have stages of it but I do know that like from a lot of research, and I knows I love to research like everything. Yeah. Uh, and also, I did a lot of work with the female shaman as well, like doing womb rituals and caring, mm -hmm. and that kind of topic as well. So I think when I do experience that, because of emotional mm -hmm. like, traumas and stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Okay, so we'll just wrap up here with the recording. Thank you.